Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. week of the Liberty B-Side podcast. My name is Steve King and alongside me is Matt Loyan. Matt, welcome to another week on the B-Side podcast. You should have said alongside me is mini alongside Steve King. Alongside me is mini Steve King, <laughs> Matt Loyan. That was, uh, in, case you, in, case, in case you weren't there for the service this morning, my oldest daughter, I, we dressed up a little bit as we do when we commission deacons or ordain elders yeah. or other kind of key things that we do. So, uh, so we dressed up a little bit, like a suit, you know, a little suit jacket yeah. shows up all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so, and I, you know, there's a shirt that I wore under that, that I don't wear a ton, but I came out and my oldest daughter, which she gave me permission to say this because I asked her before I came up the first, it popped in my mind the first service, like, Hey, is it okay if I, and she was, she was fine with it. But, um, but she asked me, um, she asked me like, um, or she said, no, she said, you look like a mini Steve King today. And I was like, I Thank you. I think. I don't Terrible. know. What does that mean? <laughs> sure. And she said, because I'm like, I'm always a mini, I'm always a mini version of Steve height wise. Okay. Like I'm, always, yep, I'm never going to be as tall as Steve. She's like, no, it just, it looks like a, like a shirt that Steve King would wear. Okay. And now you're wearing it. There so we go. You're the five foot eight version of Steve's six, five version. There it of is. Shirt. There so it is. There it is. All right. Okay. Perfect. Good, good fashion sense, Matt. Really good fashion well sense. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. Well, yeah. Well, well dressed today. Well, alongside me is mini Steve King, actually <laughs> Matt Lemoyne. Uh, head pastor of Liberty Church, excited to be uh, back. And you said, Kara said that this morning or this morning we just up. Yes. Here we are recording on Sunday afternoon. Good, good clarification. This happens ah, five times a year, maybe. Yep. Something like that. Um, where for a scheduling reason, uh, we just record on a Sunday afternoon instead of the normal mid morning on Monday. Yeah. Right. And so. It's alliteration. Mid morning, well, here I am with you, uh-huh. the alliteration king. So it just sometimes it just like it just spills out. It still it comes out. Absorb it. Yep, yeah, much to my chagrin. So, <laughs> um, so thank you. When, whenever you put questions in, if it's helpful, we always ask you to questions in by Monday morning, maybe early Monday morning, the best because we always record around ten thirty or so. Um, today, Sunday afternoon, so we don't get every. So we might miss some questions we if might. they come in between now and tomorrow morning. If so. We'll appropriately include them in future episodes if we can weave them in. Yeah. We actually have some questions. We got three. We got three questions in. And so great. here we are, like 90 minutes after church ended, the second service. Real time. Real time. We got three questions in. So Matt, before we get to the questions, sure. give us the 90-second summary. We're in First John. We started chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 6, 1 through 5. Mm-hmm. You preached on this morning. So give us the quick summary of your message this morning. Yeah, so... The, the whole book of John is written so that you may know. That's we've even picked that up in our in our title for the right. series. And um, the, the idea there being that John is writing so that those who are Christians can have assurance and confidence that they are known by God, that they do know God. So John unpacks a couple pieces of that in in the text we we're in today. First John two one through six. He he does mm-hmm. say in verses three through six specifically that. One of the primary means of assurance in the Christian's life is obedience. Hmm. We actually, we actually really have a sense that we belong to God and are known by God when we're doing what He says. There really is something to that. There's a, there's a power to our obedience when we are doing the things, when we are walking in the way Jesus walked. Yeah. The consistency of life that comes from that does, is a means of assurance to us. Yeah. Um, the problem, of course, is we don't always obey perfectly. And so we really find ourselves in, with a desperate need for a better means of assurance that's not just about 
our ability to obey. Right. And John, <clears throat> we, we kind of did it in reverse today. We talked about the assurance through obedience part first, but then worked our way backwards to say Jesus is also the propitiation. He's the atoning sacrifice. He makes atonement for our sin. Uh, and that, on, in, in that sense, proactively, before we ever sin at all, has already paid for all the sin we will ever commit. Yeah. But also <clears throat> then Jesus comes after responsively or reactively when we sin. That's how John opens chapter two. He says, I'm writing to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, right. you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we, we talked at the end of our sermon. We kind of worked through it backwards, talked at the end of the sermon today about Jesus. What does it mean that Jesus is our advocate? And that in those moments of sin, he does come after us. And, and um, he's not being re-sacrificed again on our behalf. He's not, we're not being justified again, declared righteous again. Uh, but he is taking all of that finished work that he did in the past and applying it in the present yeah. to our to our need in the present, to yeah. our to our instances, to our moments of sin. Yeah. It's great. Well we'll probably get into some of the some of the the heart of your sermon, some of the, the sure. points in there in some of these questions. Sure. I think they're gonna apply. So we got three questions in. Here's the first one. Um, a couple questions maybe in one just create some context. So the the question asks what is God the Father's disposition to us when we sin? And the context here is they go on to ask, is Jesus having to advocate for us against God? Um, is he having to remind God yeah. of our salvation? Like, what, What's the role there? How does that function? Yeah, because you have this, and there's a, there is a tension and a mystery to this in the sense, too, that you, when, it, when, it, when John says Jesus is an advocate, the typical picture of an advocate is someone that, that is not neutral, is not a mediator that's neutrally kind that's of right. ne- negotiating between two sides, but kind of steps over to the one side. And takes that person's side against the other. That's right. And so, like, so sometimes we can get this like this picture of an advocate where Jesus takes comes over to our side, steps onto our side in the courtroom, and then is like, so, as if somehow there were like an oppositional posture where the father's like, punish them for the sin. They did it again. Right. right. I'm angry. I need to be appeased again. Punish them. And Jesus kind of intervenes and says like, whoa, 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 God, hang on. Um, and I think we actually do real damage to the idea of God as as Trinity and the unity of God. Um, three in one, the unity of God specifically when we set persons of the Trinity in opposition to each other. Yeah. Um, so the, the mystery of course being, um, what exactly does Jesus say to the father that he doesn't already know? Uh, Mm -hmm. and the answer would be nothing. There's, there's nothing like to this person's last question, is he having to remind God? No. In fact, the psalmist talks about how like he, God, the father is the one who removes our sin from us as far as the East is from the West. Like he, he separates us from our sin. He's not having to be reminded all the time um, that he said he would do that. <laughs> that, he, that right. he, he didn't. He does not forget that. He does not forget that. Right. Um, nor, um, nor does Jesus have to advocate for us in an oppositional way against God the Father. Mm-hmm. This first person. This, this first question from this person: What is God the Father's disposition toward us when we sin? He is a, like a father who is, of course, not excited about our sin, is not happy that we sinned, but his his smile and his favor is upon us because of because of that work Jesus has already done. Yeah. So he is he is, and I think I come back to on this too, like God is never presented as the reluctant one mm-hmm. um, when it comes to forgiveness of sins, <clears throat> when it comes to showing mercy and grace to us. He is the one who 
and we talked about that today specifically in the idea of propitiation. Yeah. Pagan notions of propitiation was always that the deity was the reluctant one. And people had to come up with a way to appease that reluctance. Right. You know, like, ah, oh, I'm going to punish you. To convince you, the God or even trick the God yeah, in some way. Find a way to, yeah, to make right. me not punish you. And, and the scripture is like not even close to that picture. Right. It's, it's that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together have come up with this plan and enacted this plan where God, the Son, the second person, enters into the world and, and takes on flesh so that he can become propitiation. So I would say the same thing, that if we ever have this picture in our mind that God is reluctant to... Um, to count Jesus's work on our behalf to us. Mm-hmm. That's not what advocacy means. So in, um, short of that, you have, you have Jesus essentially saying to God, who is ready and willing to forgive and to, to, and to say the same thing. You just have Jesus playing that unique function in the, in the Godhead, in the Trinity um, of saying th- this too, like this, this right. also is my work is also for this too. Yeah. And, and, God, and it's situational. That's something you mentioned in the sermon today. Yes. Maybe like, maybe dive into that a little bit. Situational, contrast that. Yeah. So like we have in in, um, in Hebrews that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. That's He's right. always interceding. He's always play, pleading the merits of his of his blood on our behalf. There's an ongoing way in a in a proactive way that Jesus is just interceding for us, praying right. for us, taking us before the Father. Again, not that the Father is forgetting us, not that the Father is is wanting anything but that, but just that. That's He's always time. interceding. Yeah. Always interceding. Advocacy is is occasional or situational. Mm-hmm. And it's it's responsive. It's 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 for those moments when we sin. Yeah. Uh it's when we sin, when we've disobeyed. Um, we don't just need the proactive intercession of Jesus, we need the, the responsive advocacy of Jesus. Right. To say, and that too. Uh, I, I love how um, if I had more time today in the sermon, I would have I would have pulled more of Dane Ortland's stuff in from Gentle and Lowly. Hmm. I think I did drop one, his quote in the in the eight thirty service. I didn't I had less time in the ten thirty? I did. I excluded it from the ten. Okay, I remember, yeah, because I heard the ten thirty. I, I remember hearing Ortland quote. Okay, I yeah. think I I'm, I had it in my notes. I think I said it at eight thirty and didn't say it at ten thirty. But um, that that there's actually in a in a counterintuitive way, um, it's that Jesus's love for us, his resolve to apply his work to us rises that much higher when we sin. Sure. It's not that he's rooting for us to sin so that he, you know, like Paul gets into this in Romans where it's like, should we sin more so that grace may abound? Because when we sin, we're met with grace. Yep. And, and, and Paul says, well, by no means we should do that. Like, um, you know, we've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We're, we're meant to obey. We're meant to, we're meant to live out this new life we have in Christ. But that there is something about the love, the warmth of, of God and Jesus that rises that much higher. Because he he did die for that. It's while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's yeah. why he so there's a sense that he's 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 even more eager to be near to us when we sin than when right. than when we're not, which is you know, I don't yeah, it's a it's a counterintuitive thing there. Yeah. It's like I mean, my, is it Orland, the the Puritans, yeah. Stephen Bunyan, they yeah. talk about that. Like the natural work of God is, yeah. is 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 that expression of his love. Yeah, and there's cause the, I think the natural sense we carry around with us is like Jesus wants to be around me, God wants to be around me when I'm obeying. Sure. And we and we we sometimes pick that up even from our own perspective of our, our own parents and, and even how we parent our kids. Right. That it's just easier to be around a compliant, obedient child. And so like our parents tend to like respond better to that. You know, it's when we're disobedient, we meet we meet their anger and their frustration. Right. And we right. deserve it too, most of the time. Um, in appropriate ways, you know, good good qualifiers to put up there. But we I think we carry that into our impression of God, where it's like, you know, when God wants to be near me, when I have communion with God, it's when I'm obedient. Yeah. And the reality is, is like in some ways it actually might be more so 
when you're sinning because his resolve for us rises that much higher and comes to us in our sin. Sure. And that's not, again, you can take that as a license to sin. You can take, you know, grace abounds. Should I, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? No. No. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but there is a real need to remind ourselves that the disposition of God, the heart of God is that is that is is for you. Right. And Jesus' advocacy is for you. He might be even nearer to you in those moments than he is. Mm. You know, I, that's the mystery. Yeah. I, I don't I don't mean to like quantify yeah, it or, yeah, or make it real simple it. and understand. Right. But he might be even nearer to you in the moments that you sin yeah. because that's that's what he came into the world to rescue you from and to advocate for. Yeah. That's good. Here's the next question. What does it look like for Christians to advocate for each other? So in light of Jesus' advocacy advocacy for us, how can we enter into other people's lives and talk about sin with each other in a way that helps them see Jesus as our advocate? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think it's a desperate need that we have. I don't, I don't think, and, and maybe in certain circles this is more true than others, I don't think in many circles this role of Jesus as advocate is as emphasized as other other parts of Jesus's work. Um, and so I think one of the ways that we can do that is um, the way I was trying to even get at that today in the sermon was some of the questions I asked at the end about what would mm, Jesus say yeah. um, to you when you sin? How would Jesus respond to your sin? And then what would Jesus say to the father about your sin? Yeah. And I think um, helping each other, helping each other answer that question with the specifics to each of our individual sin is, is one of the ways we advocate for each other. Sure. Yeah. Um, man, whenever we're, whenever we're talking about entering into each other's lives to the point that we know each other's sin patterns and sin present sin, a mm-hmm. lot of vulnerability, uh, necessary for a lot of trust that, that's entailed in that. There's yeah. risk in that because you're, you're inviting yourself to be known and you don't know what other yeah, exposing yourself. Yep. Yep. And they might, not react in the way that Jesus would react in that yeah. moment. They might yeah. be appalled by your sin and push you away. They might yeah. um, they might not know how to deal with it, depending on what you're sharing with them. And they might freeze up and they might become cold and distant. And they so I think one of the ways that we advocate for each other is by is by as much as we can trying to embody the voice and the presence of Jesus and how He would respond mm-hmm. when someone does share their sin with us. Mm-hmm. So. That, of course, takes growth in our own hearts to yeah. know how Jesus responds to us in our sin. Yeah. If we have a, if we have a warped perspective of, our, of how he responds to our own sin, then we're going to carry that warped perspective over into other. We're going to become self-righteous, judgmental, distant, cold, yeah. whatever. Um, as we are learning to, to look to Jesus as our advocate, we can, we can take those same lessons that we are learning and, and try to speak true words that Jesus would speak to another person and embody that nearness yeah. and present. And I think that's maybe that's one of the most practical ways that we can advocate for another person is when they share some of the sin that they're most embarrassed to share. Some of the most shame filled kind of stuff that comes out in that conversation is to not step away from them, but actually to step near them. And even to say to them, you know what? I'm not surprised by your sin. I don't think less of you because of your sin. You sharing that with me only endears you to me that much more and wants me to, once, once causes me to want to come that much closer to you and, and, and help you, um, work through that and to hear that what the voice that God would act, what, what God or Jesus would actually speak to you in that moment. Yeah. I think that nearness, that kind of response is the kind of thing that, that actually helps advocate for, for each other. 
Yeah. And that's a, as, as you're, you're reflecting on that, I'm thinking of in practically, how does that, what does that feel like? What does it look like in a relationship? I think there's sometimes an experience we have, if you're the one sharing on your sin, yeah, it can feel like <laughs> naturally it's like, we're all, we all can probably resonate with this, like feeling the intense, the intensity of the moment. Kind of like I'm sharing something. I feel very exposed. I feel very vulnerable. I might yeah. feel ashamed. I might feel defensive because yeah. I'm sharing. I'm like, I'm just like locked into this moment. Yeah. Whereas normally if you're hearing that from somebody, if we're doing it with maturity and with kindness and with love, and we're seeing this person as a person made in the image of God, a brother and sister in Christ, if it's a fellow Christian, yeah. or if they're not a Christian, we see the journey they're on. You see more comprehensively yeah. how this this moment is part of a story. It's part of a conversation. It's part of a long-term experience. And so I think we need to embrace that on yeah. either side. When when you're sharing something, push against the vulnerability and the shame to the negative side that someone's just going to judge you for that. Mm-hmm. Recognize if you were listening to them, share the same thing. You would you would be excited for that because you want to tell them about where yeah. this is going and, yeah. the, and the good news that is still for you and the, the forgiveness that is for you in Christ. Yeah. Right. So if we can do that because it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to do that. And we can feel really just like locked into the moment. Yeah. And any one of us that does it well is sharing this over a story with people, like looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, that's right. That's really good. Maybe the other one thing I'd say to this, um, how do we advocate for each other? In re- We're talking about a little bit like in relationship, how do we share, how yeah. do we encourage one, one another? How do we uh, bear burdens with each other? Yeah. That's a way that we're inherently advocating. Yeah. We don't advocate in the same way Christ does. We can't do that before God the sure. way that Christ does. Sure. We can though, I guess you could use the word advocate in a different way. We can plead mm-hmm. with God yeah. for others on behalf of others. Yeah. We can pray that others would experience freedom from sin. Yeah. We can pray that others would be strengthened in the spirit. We pray that their eyes would be open to their sin. Like yeah. all these things that we do with God in prayer. Yeah. Through the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in some ways, is advocacy, but it's yeah. just not the same type of advocacy. It's really good because it's. I'm, I'm thinking more more the biblical example to follow in that sense comes from from Jesus as our priest, yes, which he is, sure. and then he also calls us to be priests. He makes us a royal priesthood. Priests are people who connect um, people to God and God to people. Like they're they're more that mediator right. and they're more the intercessor role. So even like when we. That's the fancy word for praying for someone else. We call it intercession, right? Yes, so, sure. like, it's, so we, so we definitely have that priestly role in other people's lives to go to intercede for them, uh, and to try to even like we're talking about the by name initiative, praying for people yep. that would meet Jesus, pleading with them, be reconciled to God. That's Absolutely. a priestly role. So, the, but that's an interesting point, and I've not really thought much about that. That merit more thought on my part, certainly. Just what it looks like specifically to to follow Jesus' example as an advocate, um, which which I think mainly entails if it's if it's responding to a person's sin is helping them actually um work through repentance and faith yeah and seeing jesus for who he is for them in that moment like as as opposed to because we um we don't have as you said steve the power to absolve them of their sin that's right we don't want to also like like we're prone to do for our own sin we become defensive or despairing well we don't want to portray defensiveness or dis- despair for another person. We don't right. want to come to them and be like, yeah, hey, you know what though, Steve, it's not that bad, you know, or like that, that's me actually minimizing your sin. That's right. Sure. Um, so, so that would be the opposite of like this advocacy that might be tempting for us to do in those moments, especially if we're feeling, if someone's feeling despairing 
And so it, it really, gosh, it requires so much discernment and grace from the Spirit of God to enter in in those moments and say, no, don't minimize it, but but don't minimize it not to leave you in this place of, of like hopelessness, but right. like actually call it what it is, but let me walk with you as you then take that in the fullness of what it was to the Father, to yeah. through the Son, through the Advocate, um, and then receive all the forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration that's yours there, right. as opposed to like, you know, trying to help and yeah. going to going to bat for yourself a little bit. Yeah, it's just a, it's a different it's a different iteration of the same word. Yeah, and there's a yeah. there's a the, there's a really deep theological application of the word advocate that Christ can only hold. Absolutely, even in the question of um, how do we enter into other people's lives and talk about sin with each other in a way that helps them to see Jesus as the advocate. Yeah. Well, in some ways, when we're doing that, we're actually advocating for Christ. We are. Like That's We're true. the ones actually saying, hey, I want to stand here as an advocate for Christ and tell you about your sin yeah. and how it's been forgiven. So we're, we are, mm. there's this advocacy that we still have at least like um, uh, more shallow level, not yeah. shallow being superficial, but just like not as deep theologically rooted in the person of Christ. Yeah. There's still advocacy. It's a different type of advocacy. That's good. I yeah. Think. That's good. I like that. So. All right. Here's the third and final question. Great. Um, because Jesus had fully paid for the price of our sin for the world, why should my sin still matter to me? Yeah. Right. A little kind of going into what Paul wrote about. We referenced this a little moment ago, so maybe we can tie back into that or not. But why should sin matter to us when Jesus has fully paid for the price of our sin and for yeah. the whole world? And we're gonna and we're gonna get into it certainly as John continues to unfold. Like this next week, as we continue First John two, is gonna talk about the new commandment, which is to love one another. But even at the end of the passage we were in today, First John two one through six, um, talks about how the love of God is completed and perfected in us by our obedience. Yeah. So that there actually is, um, even though we need an infinitely better means of assurance than our obedience kind of the whole premise of like Jesus being our advocate and our atonement, our propitiation. Yep. Um, there really is, um, there, it really is a, a, an incredible means of assurance that God has provided. He's saying, obey me, follow in my way. And you actually will experience a ton of assurance. Yeah. And I think we all know that experientially too. Like in moments when we feel like I am faithfully following Jesus, um, I am, I'm certainly not perfect, but, but I'm, I'm really, my heart is sensitive to the things of God. I'm, I'm walking after him in many ways. I feel like I'm being faithful in, in, in avenues of my life. Um, even we got to commission Emily Cotty as a deacon today. And, and Paul writes in first Timothy three, that like deacons gain a good standing and a confidence, uh, through their work. Like as we, as we serve into the places that God has placed us and we do that faithfully and well, and we're obedient, we do experience confidence and assurance yeah. that we actually are in Christ. We see that he has enabled us to actually live these lives. And there's just like, there's just a joy and an assurance that comes in walking in that. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to at all downplay that that is a means of assurance that's held out to us in the, in the kindness of God. But also what, what John writes there is that it's also a matter of actually reflecting our love for God. Like if we actually love God, we do what he says. He's right. not, and he's not just our savior who pays the price for the sin of the world. He's also our Lord whom we love who, who we think actually has the right to tell us how to live and who actually gives us the best and most joyful way to live, to actually yeah. live as freed people. So if we have that perspective of like, hey, you know what? Jesus has paid for sin, so it doesn't matter how I live. We demonstrate in that that we don't really understand God. We don't really understand that it actually is the best way to live our lives is the way that he's called us, is to obey him. Right. So I think that's... I, I think this person knows that. And, sure. And yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're just kind of more thinking like, okay, well, if I'm, this is a common question that comes up for us at different points in time over our, our journey as Christians. 
and you know we referenced Paul like if if sin abounds you know grace abounds all the more we're like well maybe I should just keep sinning so that grace increases or maybe I just don't even need to care about sin because I'm it's covered anyway right um, and I would say there's a there's also a huge like assurance and I'm sure we'll get into this in the series later on assurance is a sweet gift of God for weak and fickle and frail sinners who just can't obey even though they try. Yeah. Assurance is not meant for obstinate people who say, I don't even care about the things of God. I'm just claiming the get out of jail free card from him. Right. You should not have assurance if that's how you understand grace. Right. You actually should be really freaked out that that, that all of the grace that God holds out to you is not applying to you if your perspective is this obstinate, apathetic, I don't even care to try to follow the things of God. Assurance is a gift for for weakness, yeah. not not a presumption for obstinance. Right, that's good. So I'm sure we'll dive into that. John talks about assurance and confidence throughout you know throughout this letter. So I'm sure we'll unpack that piece yeah. more. Yeah, I love. I, I really appreciated the the way you presented that today. Like the how we think about the completion of love, God loving us, and us returning that love back to Him, completing that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would add, just practically. Uh, why is why should we still care about our sin? Because sin is an offense to God. Yeah, and because we still do sin, right? And at, and, and in First John one, so we we read this, you know, last week, and yeah. I think Anthony preached on this last week. Um, if we say we have no sin, yeah, right, we deceive ourselves, and the truth of God is not in us. Yeah. Um, later on in chapter two, John will write about um, if if you love the world, the truth of God of the Father is not in you. Yeah. Right. And so there's something of. We have this full assurance, and yet in other scriptures too, even thinking about like we work out our faith with fear and trembling. We totally. still actually take our sin seriously because yeah. on this side of salvation, the sin that we offer, even though we have a guarantee it will be forgiven, yeah. Christ is our advocate. Yeah. So take full assurance, it's still also really offensive to God, right? right. So it's like we so that let that not uh, overwhelm us. Yeah. Um, to the point that we just we're just uh you know crushed by that, overwhelmed yeah. by that. Yeah. Um you mentioned that a little bit, you know, that our, our proclivity sometimes to be yeah. overwhelmed in our sin yeah. this morning. Um, so let's not be overwhelmed in it, but let us also take sin seriously because sin is still an offense to God insofar as we commit it, which is until our final breath, we yeah, will be committing. That's it. right. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Well said. There's um, so on the uh, for Bible study groups, uh, as we're doing with this series, you have like your um, your scripture journal that you can use and mark up and reflect on and write some notes in. We're posting the discussion questions on the Google Doc that is in each of your church center, your Bible study groups in the church center app. In the resources tab, there's a link to it. You also got it emailed. Steve, you emailed it out to all the participants from Bible studies a few weeks in a row now. Yep. Hopefully it's bookmarked. Yep, bookmark it. If phone. you can't find it, let me know. Let Steve know. He's happy to resend the link to you. There's a, there's there's four discussion questions in there. The one the one that I mentioned in the sermon, that's it's also in there. So in case you like missed that or didn't get to write it down fast, it's actually to... To try to take a sin pattern that, that you're experiencing present day um, and to write out, you know, what what do you think Jesus would say to you right now as yeah. you experience that sin? Um, what would he say to you about that? And then what would Jesus say to God the Father on your behalf yeah. about your sin? What yeah. would his advocacy look like? Just really am, am encouraging you and your Bible study groups to to try to take this idea of Jesus as our advocate and learn to see him as your your advocate. Learn to see that count for you personally learn to see what that actually looks like in your life with your specific sin and even you know to this question that we answered a little while ago that that's a great way we can even 
try to start advocating for each other. Yep. Um, and we get a chance to do that in our, in our groups even this week. That's great. Thank you all for listening to the B-Side this week. And we'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday for worship. If you do submit any questions, well, you won't know until this is recorded. You're not going to be hearing this now. You won't know it's too late until it's too late. So if you've submitted questions uh, after we've recorded this episode, we'll apply them moving forward if we can fit them into future episodes. But always send questions in each week. We love getting them. Sunday afternoons and and early Monday morning the best time to send them in. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday in worship. Enjoy the rest of the week, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.